excited that you're with us on this night in particular. We have uh, wonderful friends in the studio with us tonight who you're going to know very quickly, but we want to keep you in anticipation. But uh, we're very excited to have some guests here in the studio with us tonight. Um, I want to ask the question. Ask away. Do you and your family serve the Lord? How many of us out there listening right now, if you were asked that question, do you and your family serve the Lord? I have to say that uh, if I was asked that question, you know, I, I probably am, now that I'm 47 and our oldest is 17 and our youngest is 10, you know, I may have the nuancing to say, you know, I wish I was serving the Lord. I'm trying to serve the Lord, but I fall very short. And I, I am delighted to know that I fall short because that's the gift of the church to guide me and to give me the sacraments and our family to more fully live for Jesus Christ who fashioned us for himself. So I want to give you a thought here. What if, you know, an apostle were literally appeared, boom, you know, John the apostle appeared in front of us. We'd be in awe, right? If just somehow he found himself through time, 2000 years ahead in front of us. And wouldn't we listen to what he said about how to follow Jesus? Wouldn't we be so attuned and amazed at this, this apostle who walked the steps of Jesus Christ, who heard his words, who saw his miracles, who gave his life to him? And, uh, you know, we'd want to, we want to know, what should we do to follow the Lord? Well, brothers and sisters, we have been given in this Catholic Church the great gift of bishops who are successors of the apostles. The continuation of the Eucharist, of the sacraments, and in a very special way, a sacramental people, God makes himself present through flesh and blood. It's not guesswork. It's not imagination work. Yes, God works with imagination, but he gives us flesh and blood, and he gives us a bishop to help guide us to know the Lord. So I began with that question. Do you and your family serve the Lord? We're given a bishop and a successor of the apostles to guide us. And there's two things in particular that our bishop right now is asking of us. He's asking us to participate in this 54-day Rosary Novena. You can find out more at Mass Impact. You can find out more in the diocesan website. But it's an invitation for families to set aside whatever it takes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, to gather as a family to pray the rosary. The first 27 days are for, I guess, petition for families. The intention that the bishops throughout the country have asked to pray for is um, for marriages and families, especially with all that's going on in our country. So it actually began or was to begin August 15th. But you can Feast jump aboard anytime, right? So August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption through October 7th, the Feast of the Holy Rosary. And so the first 27 days are in petition for families and marriages. And the second 27 days are in thanksgiving for uh, God's faithfulness in answering those prayers. So right out of the gates, I just want to acknowledge we have eight members in our family, very active, very busy, six kids, age 17 down to 10, and it takes something to get the family together to pray. And honestly, when I said yes, I have to tell you, and this is the way with, I think every time God asks us of something, you take it day by day. Mm. I say today, we're going to do our best to find that time. And so far, we're three days in a row. And, you know, something may come up. You know, you may miss a day. And Four, just, It's fourth day. Fourth day. Sorry. My math <laughs> we is We lucked off. out. All we right. were blessed to be a part of the Annunciation Radio celebration. And we did it together it with the rest of the community there. So. so a second thing is this Live It Challenge. We are, uh, Mass Impact is what we are connected to, Ignite Radio Live. And Mass Impact, what is Mass Impact? It is... Lay people united with their pastors at the heart of the church, serving our bishop to see holy disciples, holy families, and holy vocations. And a way to do that is to commit your family just over the next 
seven weeks, once a week, can you set aside 30 minutes once a week to talk and pray as families? And we make it really easy for you. You go to massimpact.us, you download the Live It Gathering Guide, and you'll find there a simple, easy guide. There's a lot to it. And the, the rule number three, I'm not going to go through them all, but the rule number three is make it your own. At the very beginning of this guide, just to set aside the stuff, folks, just to set aside the gadgets and the distractions and the TV and whatever else may be part of that, and we're told, by the way, that the average kid spends seven hours a day in discretionary media. That's amazing. If we can just spend 30, 30 minutes, if we can just spend 30 minutes a week to talk and pray. Seven hours of discretionary time. <laughs> and now that we hear some of the wonderful voices of our guests, my wife is going to engage them. Again, massimpact.us is a common frame of reference. You can download this Live It Gathering Guide. We're not going to go through it all tonight. But at the very beginning of this is something called fun questions. There's 50 questions there. And yeah, you could go through them all. Maybe, in fact, the first time you gather, that's all you want to do. They're fun questions. You set aside the stuff and, you know, you find a way for family members to share in these questions. And I understand. Some of you may have little kids. You may need to kind of moderate those questions and do different things with them. But right now, just as a way of introducing our guests here, my wife is going to put them on the spot and ask them their name. And you're going to give a number, folks between 1 and 50, our wonderful guests here in the studio, and she'll ask you the question. Before we get a little silly and crazy, are you ready? Um, I must say, on a serious note, at Mass this morning, uh, the Gospel, there was a line in it that stood out for me that I just want to read quickly. Um, most of you know that we moved from Pennsylvania a couple years ago, two years ago, which was my hometown, my family's there. Hello, shout out if anyone's listening. Um, which was a difficult decision, but we felt very called by the Lord to come to this area. And so it struck me at Mass this morning, this was part of the Gospel, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times more. And I don't say that as an affirmation for our family, but a proclamation of God's faithfulness and goodness because you guys sitting in the studio right now are part of that hundredfold. Wow. Great and we connection. are so blessed by you and your families and um, the way that the Lord has loved us through you and your witness and your joy and your faithfulness. And I'll stop there. Well, so I, that being well, said, we're blessed to have you here. Checks in the mail. So <laughs> you know, these folks, I just have to say additionally, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, we had the first ever Ignite Catholic Family Festival. And we have just been uh, overwhelmed by people's mm. response of how this has touched people's lives. And we in this room know what um, we've given our hearts and minds, but it's Bethlehem. <laughs> we had some struggles. The power went out. And we were Responded to a lot of demands. It was Bethlehem, but it remained very beautiful. I just want to tell our listening audience, as I shared with other people, what made this amazing, certainly the Eucharist, but the Eucharist lived, and this group here in this room and many others who have been gathering pretty much on a monthly basis in our home to talk and pray. So we were already becoming that community, those families that are talking and praying together, getting to know one another's lives, the challenges, the difficulties, the successes, and we felt actually that the festival would be an occasion to open the doors for others um, when they even came on the grounds that they had experienced more than just these events or music or the logistics. But supernaturally, they kind of have the, a sense of God's arms surrounding them that had already been in formation. And so we're with some of the wonderful people who are, are part of that. So no further ado, I'm Amen passing the golden to microphone to my beautiful wife, Stephanie, to lead us. Okay, so we have with us in studio tonight here at Annunciation Radio, Drum roll, please. Um, Liz and Walt Erickson. Hello. Nikki Hummison, 
and Maria Tice. Hello. <laughs> um, and so we are going to do a family fun question. So I'm going to ask whoever would like to go first. I promise I wouldn't put anyone on the spot. Um, to pick a number, 1 through 50. I'll say 11. If I had... Oh. <laughs> if I had to either step barefoot in dog poop oh. or have a bird oh. drop one on my head. Deep theological question. <laughs> Both of those have happened to me. <laughs> oh, <right? laughs> At the same time. No. I think I'd have to say I'd rather step in dog poop. Really? Me yes. too. You can clean it off faster. Yes. Okay. And I'm likely wearing shoes. Oh, Good. Oh, does it say oh, barefoot? It says barefoot. That was such a nice wifely little something. Okay, who would like to go next? Seven. Who was it that said seven, Stephanie? We have to get familiar with our voices here on air. Oh, I'm okay. so sorry. Maria, beautiful Maria Tice. And I want to shout out to Mia, her beautiful little daughter. So cool. Great story, okay, another cutie. time. What I really like about my dad is... Oh. I consider him to be a renaissance man. He's a very bright man, um, but he learned to knit when he was like 50 years old. He got his PhD when he was 80. That's wow. awesome. <laughs> In what? Um, education. Okay, 80 cool. years old and he got his PhD. Yeah. That is oh, amazing. He just awesome. has always said, you know, hmm. when I retire, I do not want to um, just stop working. I feel like that is the opportunity to keep contributing and um, so he just, he's like 82 now and just... Beautiful. And what's his name? Bienvenido. Bienvenido, which is good welcome. welcome. Good welcome. Oh, Wonderful. Good job, Greg. All right. <laughs> okay. Liz or Nikki, don't fight over the microphone. 25. Number 25. If I could be any character in any movie, it would be because... Mm, that's a good one. You probably want to be a sea turtle. Was <laughs> <laughs> that like in Finding Nemo or something? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Taking on the jellies. Because <laughs> she's a mother of four. So. Yeah, and I love to swim. Yeah. I don't even think I don't think we should get into that conversation about the uh, no. the sea turtles. <laughs> that's very intriguing, yeah. though. <laughs> okay. A honeymoon story, kayaking trip. Oh. <laughs> Let's just great. say, I don't think we were very good friends after the kayaking trip, mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed the sea turtle, so it was worth it. <laughs> so there you have You're it. We're still married. So we're still that's married. Right. Yeah, 11 <laughs> years later, and I still love him. So. Praise God. Nikki? Oh, 15. I keep getting to flip here. Something I really like to do when I need peace is... <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on the top of the list. Something I really need to... Oh, my gosh. Probably find any chocolate in the house. <laughs> That's great. Chocolate That's brings great. peace. Chocolate. Right. Do you have a favorite find chocolate? A bag of chocolate chips. Such, okay. Yeah, chocolate whenever chip. I want to make chocolate chip cookies, there's never any chocolate because <laughs> I eat them all. That's great. We're getting some uh, yeah. technical <laughs> advice here. I'm not sure what it is, but hopefully we're good on the microphones and they're hearing us and all that. Okay. So we're very delighted to have you with us tonight. And our theme, uh, corresponding to the first reading this Sunday, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And here we want to just be really honest. We proclaim these things, right? And we read about them, but let's look in the mirror. And I want to look in the mirror as a husband and father. Are we serving the Lord? Yes. We want to you know, acknowledge that in many ways we are, but there's that realm, that distance. And folks, that represents our great adventure. It represents that place that God still wants to draw us deeper 
And the, the other thing in the gospel, we've been following this Eucharist discourse, the bread of life discourse in John 6. Jesus has been telling us how important it is. If we want eternal life, we got to eat of his body and drink of his blood. Now, we're so used to hearing this language maybe, but come on, how weird. Folks, you got to be cannibals to go to eternal life. I mean, and how does that work? Not to mention that it's going to come through, you know, this host, this Eucharist thing, you know, from us modern day, right? And through wine, which becomes his blood. How does all this work? Let's look at this with fresh eyes. But let's also realize and have the awareness that many left him. And this is what we're going to get this, the end of this discourse this Sunday. We get the part where many disciples found these teachings too hard and they left him. Now, note that these folks were professing believers. They went to the synagogue. They called themselves by their name, you know, Jews, Israelites. But they were not followers of Jesus. And here is an opportunity again for us to look in the mirror. Hey, I'm a Catholic. I go to Mass. I try to follow what the church teaches. And as some of the speakers said this past Saturday at the Annunciation Radio's fifth anniversary, superstar cast of speakers, over and over again, I think they, they raised the question, we're doing the Catholic stuff. We're trying to walk that course, but are we followers of Jesus Christ? It should make us aware that to just do all the things that are Catholic doesn't necessarily mean that we're following Jesus. So I'm going to invite you now to set the stage. I'm going to set the stage with a great part of the talk from... Uh, Steve Ray this past week, and he's an expert in early church history. He recently came out with a book, I think, on early martyrology. And he's a father of kids, father of 12. You'll hear him say this. But I just want to invite you to listen closely to uh, with us in the next few moments and ask yourself the question, what is the standard of serving the Lord? We as parents here want to serve the Lord as grandparents, many of us. We want our kids and grandkids to serve the Lord. Let's hear what Steve Ray has to say about what it means to serve the Lord. And I have four children, and I now have 12 grandchildren. And that's only with two of the kids that have given us. Two more just got married, that younger two. And they said, wait till we kick in, Dad. <laughs> and I'm already telling my kids, I want you to raise my grandchildren to be martyrs. And little Maria Faustina says, but Grandpa, why do you want us all to die? Said, Maria, I don't want you to die, but I'm a very selfish grandfather. I intend to get to heaven because it's the whole goal of my life. And I want you there with me. And if you deny Jesus Christ and his church, you won't be there with me. And I want you to know that there are some things worth living for and some things worth dying for. And don't ever turn your back or deny Jesus Christ or the church, even if it means giving your life. This is the way we train our grandchildren even today. The first 30 popes died as martyrs. Every time the first popes, Peter, Linus, Cletus, Clement, all the way the first 30 for the first 300 years, when they took the chair of Peter, they had a bullseye and they knew they would probably die and the first 30 popes were killed as martyrs. That's as many as the presidents we've had in the United States. Can you imagine if every president that we've had up till now has died as a martyr? Do you think somebody's going to just be running out to be the president? That's what happened with the popes. They knew that they were going to die for the faith and they still took the job because Jesus Christ was what was most important. In Revelation 12, 11, they conquered the devil by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus Christ and his blood, and by the word of their testimony and because they loved not their life even unto death. Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of Christians. What did he mean by that? The Christians were brought into the arena. What does the word arena mean? It comes from the Latin word sand. 
Arena means sand in Latin, and it was a big white field of sand, and they'd bring the Christians and others out there, and they would kill them to the cheering crowds, kill, kill, and the blood would fly, and Tertullian said, every time you kill one of us and our blood hits that white sand, the contrast with red on white, every time you spill our blood on the sand, ten more will come up from that seed you planted. And he did, because when you killed Christians, more became about why? Because the Romans knew there was nothing worth living for. The Romans knew that everything, the gods were mythical, that they were going to be buried and dead, their bodies were going to be dead. Maybe their spirits would live, they didn't know. But at least they, they, they thought nothing was worth really living for. And their gods and their religions were mythical. But the Christians had something worth living for and dying for, and the Romans were envious of what they believed. They wanted to have the same truth, and as Christians shared it and demonstrated it by their blood, the Romans converted to Christianity. Can you imagine if there was a club here in Maumee or Toledo, you start a club, and you tell everybody the chances are within two years you'll be killed, be martyred if you join this club. How many are going to join that club? It's counterintuitive, of course, I'm not going to join your stupid club. But that's what the Christian club was, wasn't it? If you join us, you'll probably be killed. And you'll be ostracized and lose your job and your career. I'll give you an example of what it was like to be a Christian in the first centuries. We're going to now say that we're back in 100 or 200 AD, maybe 250 under Diocletian in Rome. And the edict has gone out that the Christians are to be stopped even if you have to kill them all. So imagine that you're all here today and all these doors are shut and Roman soldiers step out with their big red brush on their, on their helmet and they pull their swords and they're guarding all the entrances and then I step up and I'm the centurion. You know why I brought you all here today? Because Zeus is angry. You all skipped the Zeus festival last month, and because of that, we've had a drought and we've had a plague. Do you know why our city has had a plague and a drought? Because Zeus is angry. And why is Zeus angry? Because you dissed him. You failed to show up at his festival and honor him. And now he's taking his revenge on the whole city. So I, the centurion, are here to correct the problem. As magnanimous as I am, I am going to offer all of you forgiveness for that in the name of Zeus. And in five or ten minutes, we'll have the whole problem resolved. I will now bring out here the statue of Zeus. And we're going to set Zeus right here. And I have some incense. And our good friend here has the libelliums, a sheet of paper, a certificate that you're a Roman in good standing. So what we're going to do is the way you do with this, what you call Eucharist, yeah, whatever you do in your services, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to have it come, the ushers, and you're going to come row at a time, and all of you are going to come up and burn incense to Zeus, and when you do, we will give you a certificate that says you are a Roman in good standing, and at the end of this meeting, you can all go home, and your wives and children will still be there, and you can go to work on Monday morning, and your job will still be there. Fail to do this, and you can imagine the consequences. All right, I want everybody to start. You sisters, I'd like you sisters to start first. Sisters, you're not moving. <laughs> Maybe one or two people would get up and start coming forward, and then these good sisters would say, wait, wait, wait. Think hard before you go up there. Remember the words of Jesus, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
Are you sure you want to go up and do that? And then they go back and sit down. And I'm the centurion and I'm furious. I've met a group of people like you last week in Ephesus. And I know how to deal with you stubborn Christians. And in through the door comes the 250-pound executioner with tattoos all over his body and a ring in his nose. And he's carrying the chopping block that's all covered with dried blood. And he comes up and drops it on the floor here, pulls out his sword. And now, sisters, you have a choice. I've given you two lines you can get into. You can either get into the line and burn incense to Zeus, or you can get into this line and have your heads cut off. Take a moment and ask yourself if you were there with our brothers and sisters in the first 300 years of Christianity, what would you have done? Had they not been willing to become martyrs for Jesus Christ, you and I would not be here today. It was their witness to the truth. And because of their witness, Christianity flowered and flourished. How are we Americans that are going into a pagan culture? How are we going to evangelize it? What are we going to do? Are we going to be quiet? Are we going to burn incense to the gods of today? And what are the gods of today? There are plenty of them. Many Christians are already bowing to the gods of our culture today. I have a skull on my desk at home. It's a real human skull. And when my kids' friends used to come over, they'd say, why does your dad have a skull on his desk? And my kids would say, because the skull talks to our dad. <laughs> well, what, what does the skull say? Go ask my dad. And they'd come into my office, which is right in the middle of the house, right in the middle of the family room. And they say, Mr. Ray, what, is, what does the skull talk to you about? And I said, it tells me every morning I get up and I sit down at my desk and my computer and I look over and those hollow eyes and those old teeth, they look at me and say, Steve Ray, in 30 years, you're going to look just like me. But we have to swim upstream. I have to cut this short. We have to swim upstream. Only dead things float downstream. And I can no longer swim along the stream and the current of where our country's going. I have to resist. I have to teach my kids to be rebels. I have to learn to swim upstream as part of a despised subculture. That's what we're facing. I pray that all of us will have the courage to say what we need to say when we need to say it. To do what we need to do. And I'm speaking to the choir, I know, because you're already here. Because you are part of the despised subculture and you know it. I wish that we had all the Catholics here who don't know it. We had a pool, and it was a round pool above the ground. And my son was one time there with all his kids, and he said, Guess what, guys? If you, if you grab a hold of the edges and you start going around and around the pool, we can form a whirlpool. We'll get all the water going this way. And they said, no, Dad, there's too much water in here to make a whirlpool. No, let's try it. So they all grab a hold of the side of the pool, and they all start going around in one direction. And my son says, okay, now let's pretend this is the world, the world, American culture, and all this paganism is trying to get us to go with the flow with it. And they got this big whirlpool going, and they're all going with the flow. He said, now let's be real Christians and turn and go the other way and swim upstream and not be part of the culture and the flow than where it's going. Let's go the other way. Let's follow Jesus Christ. So they all turned around, and they started going against the whirlpool. And they're swimming, and they're swimming, and they're, and they're hardly getting anywhere. And it's very hard. And little Sammy, he gets tired. He says, I can't go anymore. I can't go anymore. 
And Maria said, swim, Sammy, swim. You don't want to go to hell. Swim, Sam. Don't quit. And they kept going and going, and it was exhausting. But guess what happened? They got the whole whirlpool going the other way. And that's what will happen if we Christians are willing to lay our lives down for Jesus Christ in our words and in our actions and the way we spend our money and what we look at and what we do and what we don't do. We can turn the culture around. 25% of American culture claims to be Catholic. We've got all the evangelicals and other people of goodwill with us. If we stand up and start moving that water back, maybe we can re-evangelize and get it all going in our favor again, just like our, my grandkids did. And if not, then be prepared to say like Ignatius of Antioch, I see the lions and they are my way to God. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thanks for being here. You're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live. We're talking about the readings this Sunday. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to have some great conversation right after. Stay tuned. Did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy? Did you watch the Packer game? How's your portfolio? Pizza is awesome. What we talk about doesn't just reveal what's important to us. It reveals who's important to us. This week, take a risk to grow deeper. Consider throwing in one of these. What's your biggest challenge right now? Hey, what can I pray for you for? What can I do to make your life easy right now? How about joining us for Mass this Sunday? Yeah, and coming over for breakfast. Let's pray the Holy Communion we receive correspond to a holy community we live. This has been a Mass Impact Moment. Join the great adventure at massimpact.us. Games are something you play with a board, not with a soul. Let's not sugarcoat this. Satan is getting many to join him through a door called pornography. That door is everywhere a device is. The consequences are devastating. If you or those you love don't have filtering on your computers or devices, you're playing games with souls. You're leaving the door wide open. Please join us now in shutting that door. Go right now to massimpact.us. Click on Covenant Eyes. Want to invite you to join us every day in setting aside just one minute to pray a simple prayer to the Holy Spirit. Join us now as we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For ourselves we pray, O Most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. For all families we pray, O Most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. For our church and our parish in particular, we pray. O Most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. For our world, we pray. O Most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's it. Pretty simple, but pretty powerful. Join the prayer at MassImpact.us. Not just a moment, a movement. God, I'm running for your heart. I'm running for your heart. I am a soul on fire. Welcome back to Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed in this night through the four stations of Annunciation Radio with brothers and sisters to be opening the door uh, to the consideration 
as we profess our Catholicity, our Christianity? Are we serving the Lord? In what ways are we not serving the Lord? And we just listened to a great exhortation, a little short excerpt that I put together of Steve Ray this past uh, weekend. And um, he kind of gives us a standard. I asked the question as we listened to it, what is that standard of serving the Lord? And I think he puts it right in front of us. It's a willingness to give everything for Jesus Christ, a willingness to give everything. And how easy for us to uh, acknowledge the on, on a chalkboard, right, or catechetically, or the truth of it as we're teaching. But it's hard to imagine for me. It's hard to imagine actually being in those circumstances. And let me just open the door to our wonderful guests here. Again, we're with uh, Walt and Liz Erickson, Nikki Hummison, and Maria Tice, of course, my beautiful wife, Stephanie. And uh, we want to open the door and really look at this question. How did that uh, talk impact any of you? Well, <laughs> that was the second time I heard it, so I will jump ahead and it was just as powerful if, if not more especially with the readings in front of us for this coming Sunday Greg as you were talking about the uh, famous reading from Joshua as for me and my house we will serve the Lord um, the second reading speaks it's from Ephesians and speaks of husbands and wives and what the Lord calls us to in that relationship about loving each other as Christ loved the church and putting ourselves under the mission of that to submit and of course um, the continuation of the bread of life discourse where many people decided not to follow Jesus anymore because they found that the Eucharistic teaching was too hard and so between listening to Steve Ray and being reminded of those readings the word that stood out for me was decision to decide right. and in our country right now and in just culture I just feel like the spirit is saying that to convict each one of us to decide you know the people in front of Joshua he says um, he tells them they're doing all this stuff he's like decide today he doesn't try to convince them he's like decide you know what it is you know what it's about you've seen the works of the Lord you've seen what your false gods promise today you decide but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and we will get into what that means in each of our lives but I just feel so convicted by the spirit that that is we just need to be a people of courage mm. and whatever that decision is claim it and live it and and um, don't drag others down with it and there's too much lukewarmness in our world and kind of living this way in this moment and this and and it's not easy, but we just need to reclaim and proclaim. You know, Stephanie, I had two thoughts that came to me while I was listening to that. The first one was, there is no way. There is no way I could do that. Very honest. And I, I thought, where would I get the courage to do that? And, and I thought, I'm sure that those martyrs had supernatural graces. And mm. I thought, where do we get those supernatural graces? And then I thought, with the, you know, with the gospel of John, we get it from the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. How Wonderful. can we have that courage if we're not immersed in the sacraments, um, going to Mass, taking Christ in the, you know, in the precious body and blood? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the only way. Um, and then another thought came to my mind, and that was the Maccabean mother. Yes. How she watched her seven sons um, be martyred, and she encouraged it. And yes. finally it got to the last one and they thought, well, maybe, you know, her, her last son will be spared. But she knows she encouraged him. And then she herself was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I oftentimes think to myself, well, I have the strength if it if it would ever come to that. I know 
um, you know, not so much in our country. We're seeing that in other countries, you know, the red martyrdom, but will we be called to a mm-hmm. white martyrdom where mm-hmm. we, you know, might lose our reputation or, you know, like you said, our, our jobs or, um, you know, whatever else is at stake right. there. So those, those were... Great thoughts. Just piggybacking on that a little bit, that awareness that it's a means to evangelize the world, that those who don't believe in God, willing to stake their lives on God, will look at those who do, will look at those who are willing to suffer persecution. In fact, let's just say it, those who are willing to suffer for the very people who are causing that suffering, let's take a moment and think about that. Are we willing to suffer for the very people who are causing that suffering. Right now, keep it really real, all of us have maybe somebody who's a bane of our existence or a challenge or a struggle or a difficulty, somewhere in that range, and they need prayers probably more than anybody. Are we willing to suffer and endure maybe what they're dishing out in whatever capacity for their own souls? Just as uh, this is informing that kind of mindset, that that's what was amazing to these folks. Because it's so counterintuitive. We want to, what? What happens? We get a hurt. We grab our arm if, say, a bee stings us or, you know, we protect ourselves. You know, if it's too hot, we turn on our AC. We are so not accustomed to any kind of discomfort or suffering. Well, this is saying endure the suffering for the cause of those who are causing the suffering. What are the thoughts? I think that you have you have very specific points in your life where, where God is building you up for his plan for you. So I think, you know, these martyrs, just as, just as Peter was, was tested, and the cock crowed three times, right? Mm-hmm. And he ran away. He did not want the fate that he thought Jesus was, was, a, was about to receive and ended up receiving. But yet, later in his life, after he witnessed, after he was a strong disciple, he was in fact martyred. And so were, I believe, all the other apostles except for one. Mm-hmm. So... I really don't know that that's a question you can ever ask yourself until that position Moment, is right. right in front of you. Right. Also, I think that when your family, friends, you know, fellow believers are right there with you, and it takes one noble person, one, one God-fearing person to just say, no, I will not do what you're asking me to do, and they, you know, they're martyred, they're killed right in front of you, you're going to look at that and say, you know, I, I, it may be easier, right? But but God's not going to put you in that position unless you're ready to be in that position. And if your answer is yes, I will, I will, I will die for you. Uh, that God's prepared you for that. If your answer is no, well, then clearly you're not a, a man or woman of God. Mm-hmm. A quick challenge, just as. Um we're processing this a little bit. So we got we began by talking about the apostles, and if we had uh, a bona fide early century first apostle with us, wouldn't we be in awe and listen and uh, ident- identify at our Bishop Thomas as that gift of the church to us? And he's asking us in the voice of Christ to do some things. Among them, this rosary, this 54-day challenge of uh, this uh, novena, and a live it gathering guide. How many of us are responding in these simple ways you know, to set aside 30 minutes to talk and pray. These are all part of martyros, to be a witness, to be a martyr. It isn't just nothing and then all of a sudden we're going to face the guillotine. I mean, I think the ways we're called to live as families press us with small ways to live as martyrs right now because they require us to set aside the stream. They require us to identify what are the things that are compelling us in different ways. The media, how we spend our time, our money, our resources. Can we 
listen, for instance, in these examples of the bishop, set aside those other challenges, just that alone, to enter into prayer and talking as a, as a family. I mean, I think that's a, that, that equips us, our families, to have, um, the, to radiate God's love, which is, a fa- which is what a family is meant to do. I see smiles. Any other thoughts here that, that uh, challenged you guys? Anything else? The, the part where he talked about the, the whirlpool. And, you know, mm. he's telling the little brother or sister, I can't remember which one, you know, just keep going, keep fighting. <laughs> I can really relate to that because we have this little pool in our backyard. And, you know, I got four little kids and they love to make whirlpools. And mm. the seven-year-old, she's like, just keep going. And you don't want to go to hell. So just <laughs> keep your eyes on the prize, you mm. know. If you can always keep the Lord right there, you know, we, we wear scapulars. That's huge for us. It's a good reminder, you know, that, mm-hmm. that we, we live for Jesus Christ. And it's an outward sign, so other people know too. So I, I don't know, that's something for us. Keep your eyes on the prize. That's right. That's Here's right. another thing to think about. If we're willing to be martyred, that ultimate red martyrdom, what have we to fear in being courageous for Jesus and evangelizing whenever and wherever and however he calls us? Whether it means going in inner city Toledo in a rough neighborhood where there's violence, if we're moved by God's grace to go in there and bring his love, why not? Why wouldn't that be on the grid? Maybe to put it the other way, what are things that we maybe don't do, we don't listen to God's voice because we've put him into this low bar little box in our own little comfort zones of this hour on Sundays where we're all with people who you know are saying the same words and doing the same things, where it's easy, let's just say it, it's easy, it's comfortable. You take that same situation this past Sunday in worship or wherever and you move that over the water in the Middle East where gathering in the same way meant you're likely possibly losing your life. That's where we're seeing the price. And if we're willing to have a martyrdom mindset and culture as husband and wife, as children, you know, what, what amazing things might we see happen right now in awareness of the needs of couples right now that we know are struggling? or individuals or let's say it folks with a homosexual orientation are we willing to go there willing to love with the heart of christ you know are we willing to you know recognize things that kids are dealing with um i just think that you know the bar with this message that steve ray gives us the witness of jesus in these readings is to kind of pray for the grace as you said nikki to seek it in the sacraments and not just boy Catholic hot tub, I feel good at the end of that mass, but is it is it equipping me to have the heart and mind of Jesus to love, even if it means me losing my life? I think sometimes I suffer from duplicity, where I'm around people that I'm comfortable with and I can share the faith with, and then sometimes when I'm in a different uh, in a different environment with maybe people who don't share the faith, I sometimes. Um, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid to share the faith and talk about things that I, I normally am comfortable talking about with. Um, so I think maybe I'm being called to be more myself in those other environments mm-hmm. and really be open to what the Holy Spirit is asking me to share sometimes. Or, you know, if it comes up naturally in conversation, not to maybe cut that conversation off like I, I might be tempted to, mm-hmm. but maybe step out in faith and not worry so much about what other people think. Um, you know, so. Greg mentioned, you know, going down to inner city Toledo or whatever. I think sometimes it's harder mm-hmm. to um, witness or challenge or share 
with family members who may not be on the same page or friends who may like what you're saying nikki and i think that's where not that we don't need to go out there gosh you know like saint paul street evangelization is awesome and you know the different organizations and wherever the lord would call us but all of us are in relationships as family as friends where that is needed right there and and i'm challenged with that constantly you know i think it's harder in your own home because absolutely you grow in faith and you're always along a journey and you know the farther you get from your journey you know you have things in your past that aren't quite you right, know right. with that journey and so and your family knows, knows all that. that and it's like <laughs> right? you're being a hypocrite right. i'm like no, I, I accept that I have done these things right. and I'm growing from them and I'm learning and growing closer and mm. this is what I've learned from it. Right. But they don't, you know, it's just their ears. It's an are, easy out. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and um, we want to invite you to join the conversation as it continues here, uh, 877-275-8098, 877-275-8098. If you've got a comment or a thought or a challenge, anything we're talking about, Steve Ray or any of uh, the folks here, anything we're saying or you want to contribute to this, please call in again, 877-275-8098. And Maria, I'm sorry I'd cut you off at the very moment I started talking. Oh, that's okay, Greg. I was just thinking as Liz was speaking about how our families, you know, it, it's almost harder in our families because they know us in a certain way. But I also think about friendships when we develop friendships in other arenas not related to the faith um, to make that bridge to live your faith fully as a, you know, and just um, be a witness when that might not be the um, the natural connection to start with. Right. I think that's that's a real challenge for me to step out into that arena. Well, I know even for me, in the, even in the grocery store, that's like, I know it's silly, but that's a big evangelization place for me. Right. You know, I'm a stay-at-home right. mom, four little ones. They don't get out a whole lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> Woo, you know, it's I grocery store get time. Those, you know, those people, wow, you have your hands full, you know, people that say those kinds right. of things. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, Amen. God has blessed me. And they're like, oh, are you done yet? <laughs> no, if whatever right, God sees right. fit, you know, and those kinds of comments, people look at you and they think you're crazy. But, you know, that's a small way that's a little bit easier, maybe, to evangelize. Right, but needed. Yes. Absolutely needed. A bit of an accolade here uh, to our listening audience. If I were to just give you a picture of, I don't know, 15 young high school men just right now gathered together, what might come to mind is what they might be doing You'd probably be thinking maybe playing basketball, which is a good thing, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, interact, just hanging out in the basement, shooting pool, uh, all kinds of things. But what's the likelihood of 15 dynamic young men who are great athletes, who are good students, who are popular, social, gathering together by their choice on a weekly basis to learn more about God in a home by being led by Mark, Mark Hart video series or Matthew Kelly video series. Um, and, you know, Maria, you know, you don't want me to put you on the spot. You do all things for God's glory. But our children, our, our sons have been blessed by your 
you know, initiating this in your own home. And how awesome has that been that you're, you got parents, we're all imperfect, as you're saying, we're all on that journey. And I think people need to hear us say that. I mean, Pope Francis, when he was asked the question, who is Pope Francis? He said, he's a sinner. Without being sinners, folks, we have no need for a savior. We're wasting our time. We're sinners. We don't do these things because we've arrived or getting brownie points, as they used to say. We're doing it because we want to know, as Matthew Kelly says, the best version of ourselves and we want to live it out. And so in your mind, in my mind as an adult, when I drop my sons off, Joseph and John Paul at the Tice House on a weekly basis, and there have been maybe three series so far that they've been part of. You know, these guys, it's about excellence. It's about them becoming the best husband they're called to be, or priest, or leader, or business leader. And it's going to equip them to do that because all the social stats demonstrate to have these qualities of, oh, being a disciple, contribute to that excellence. What parent doesn't want that? Now, here's the thing, though. It takes a little bit of courage of a mom and dad to say, you know, we're going to do this. We're, we're going to initiate this in our home. And what the heck? Let's see who responds. We want to do it with our sons, and we're going to open the door. And you've had what? When I've picked up my kids, anywhere from 10 to 15 or more, how awesome is that? It's been such an inspiration, and I totally credit the Holy Spirit for that prompting. And I will admit, at the point at which I was receiving that prompting, I thought, oh, I'm not sure, you know, <laughs> these friends of my boys, you know, they don't know us in that capacity. So it was a real stretch initially to just trust that um, the Holy Spirit was guiding it. And I said yes. And it has been such a blessing, mm. not only, you know, for for me, but for my family, for my boys. And it's been such a blessing. I'm going to segue that and put a challenge in front of our listeners right now. Uh, you could certainly right now go to Mass Impact, and we encourage you to download the Live It Gathering Guide. In fact, you'll see a start here. You'll see a video from the bishop inviting us, and the start here is simply a one-page, seven-question inventory. You could start right now and do that. But I want to invite those of you who you know you're not going to do it, you're, for whatever reason, um, to think about the end of September. We want to see the world meeting of families at that point where the, all the eyes are going to be on our Holy Father in Philadelphia. And as we're praying the rosary and engaging this, I want you to pray about beginning then a second session of seven weeks that you'd begin and that we'd begin all of our listeners in unity at that time and downloading that one-page inventory and really committing to doing this, to setting aside 30 minutes a week. It's probably going to be more because you're going to love it. But a minimal amount of that time. I'm looking at the time right now, and I want to shift gears just for a moment. And I want to set the stage by saying, you know, today there's a lot of confusion about gender roles, about men and women. They tend to be diminished. You know, a man could be a woman, a woman could be a man. But sociologically, it doesn't even take theology to understand this. Sociologically, whether you're Jewish, agnostic, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, we, the same stats apply to this, what I'm going to give you. If just a mom is going to church and the dad's not in the picture the child has a one in 50 chance of continuing with his or her faith again just the mom dad's out of the picture a one in 50 chance that that child is going to uh, go to mass the dad's out of the picture scenario two mom out of the picture completely all together dad goes to the mass or church even periodically 66 to 75 percent chance the stats demonstrate the formidability of God's design of a husband being a leader in the household. Now, we understand many of our listeners, for whatever reason, the husband, we're not judging. The husband may be missing in action. He may be divorced. We're not judging. that, But we're not, we have to acknowledge God's design and built in to our DNA in the sociology 
that a man's presence is irreplaceable in leading. And I just want to say, you may feel awkward. It may be uneasy. It may be difficult. But fathers, nobody can replace the gap left behind in your absence. Nobody can. And I want to put my brother Walt here on the spot because as I've come to know him and his wonderful family and wife, he just told me, really it was a few weeks ago, he said, well, I'm just going to let you take it from here because you know where I'm going with this. Where were you a year ago, five years ago? And what did your wife tell you just a few months ago maybe? Well, actually just a few weeks ago, my wife came with tears in her eyes and said, there is no doubt that you are the spiritual leader of our home. And I can tell you, as a, as a man, as a father, as a husband, that was not a goal of mine, certainly in high school, certainly in college, in my working mm-hmm. career. Uh, I could have cared less. If someone would have told me that, I would have said, oh, well, I really don't care. But now, uh, seeing the, the ch- my children being raised and, and, and seeing the, the beauty of our faith and understanding what God has called me to do, I realized that everything that my goals were set around meant absolutely nothing if I was not the spiritual leader of my home. And that it is my job as a father to get my wife and my children to heaven. I have to foster that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not an overnight thing, right? It's, um, it's, a, it's a long journey. And so for us, you know, we, we started to attend Mass regularly. You know, and as the kids were born, uh, we, we started to really love the sacraments. We started to get involved more and more and more uh, Bible studies and scripture readings, praying together. And as you do that, as you open up your heart, God leads you to his plan for you. And like I said, it was it was just a, a few weeks ago, you know, and, and it doesn't surprise me that she said it because things have just been so, they've just been so smooth uh, at home. Um, my, my wife is happier, my children are happier, I'm happier, and I feel like things are just on the right road. Doesn't mean there's not going to be boulders in the way, right, right. Um, but it means that the way in which maybe we'll, we'll get over those or through those, we have a much better plan. We've got God on our side, mm-hmm. and, and if you're doing what God wants you to do, He's going to bless you, He's going mm-hmm. to guide you. Um, you know, it's hard. Work is hard. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I run a business. Mm-hmm. We have 30 people uh, at the company, and time is tight. We have a, four children under seven years old, and it's, it's tough, right? Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's, it's, a big, it's a big, tall order. But I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that my goal was to be a spiritual leader. So, Walt, we have very little time left, but uh, I'm going to ask the ladies first. Speak to the wives out there who know they've got good husbands, they're good men, they're good hearts, they're fashioned for God. But the wives right now are saying, no way. Just my husband is just not going to happen. What advice or words do you have for that wife out there who is in that place? I have to say I was in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt wasn't, he wasn't Catholic. He wasn't, I don't know if he would have even called himself really Christian. He prayed occasionally when we met. And, but, you know, he wanted to marry me. And I said, well, we got married in the Catholic Church and we got to raise our kids Catholic. He's like, okay, yeah, I guess we can do that. <laughs> so, you know, it was only, what, four, about four years ago, he actually um, went through the sacraments and um, became Catholic. And so he has tremendous mm-hmm. growth in the last four years. And I have to say, it's all God, it's all the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But um, I know prayer is huge. I know I've been praying. I know my family's been praying, you know, and 
for for that to happen. And you know, we've been going to these Bible studies together and doing things together and watching each other grow. Or if I get down, then he helps me out and vice versa. You know, we all have our spiritual roles. Right. And um, I, I feel so blessed that God has has given us the opportunity to grow together in faith and raise our children in the faith. So I, I, would, I would say prayer. Pray for them. Don't give up on them. Know that right. God's working and on them. be positive. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things, too. I didn't hound him. you got to go to church with me. No, I never did that. And I think that, you know, made a difference. Anything else to add? I feel like um, sometimes a situation like that can feel extremely challenging. And I just feel like I just focusing on staying the course mm. and um, doing the right thing, regardless of how easy it would be sometimes to feel like giving up or um saying, well, it's too hard, it's not worth it, and just staying the course and praying, like Liz said. I think patience, being patient, yeah. and, right. um, and of course, while you're praying, just patient endurance and um, respecting your husband's free will and honoring him in that and, and really letting him be the head of the home. Um, but if Jeff was here, I think he would probably agree mm. with me for probably the first, I don't know, we'll be married 19 years, probably the first 10 years of our marriage, I was the spiritual head of our home. Mm. And it got to a point where he realized that that was something that he needed to do as well. And so he's taken the reins now. And he's the one that initiates prayer. And um, so it took a while. It took a while. You know, there were frustrations. There was, you know, I... Sure. I you know, it was angry at times, but, you know, I think you need to persevere and be patient and God will work. And I, I think of St. Monica, you know, how long did she wait for her son and right. her husband? I think he was, he was a pagan until his deathbed, <laughs> you right. know, but she didn't give up. So. It is awesome to hear from you guys. And uh, I think it makes up for our great deficiencies in a sense that I kind of grew up in this, just kind of grew up with my parents and my family. And I think it's very rare um, for me to have acquired a willingness or a comfort level and maybe leading and praying. But Walt, your turn. Speak to Walt out there one year ago. Oh, why to put me on the spot? <laughs> um, you know, I think there's probably the biggest thing for me outside of finally saying I need to be open to what the Holy Spirit is actually telling me to do because the men that are listening, maybe that aren't the spiritual leader of their home, they know what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit's telling them. They, they very much know they need the courage and the strength to do it. And I'm not all the way there. Um, it is a journey still, but seeing, surrounding yourself with other families and other men that you can see how they're actually being the spiritual leader of their home. How does their family function? Are they joyful? Are they happy? How are their children? Um, it, it's very, very important to surround yourself by strong families. What's a practical step? Let's make it real simple. There's obviously men's conference, which is great. Go to something like that. Although I have to say, we have a lot of these activities, Crisio, Chirp, and a lot of those folks, it does not spill over into becoming a leader in their homes. And I think we're speaking to that. Uh, men who maybe not won't say, guys, we're going to gather and we're going to talk and pray. We're going to pray the rosary. It might be a simple step. I don't know. For you, can you think of maybe what might be a simple step for a dad out there? Great heart wired for it, Holy Spirit speaking to them. Um, 
I think I think a simple step, maybe the easiest step is, and it's difficult too, is to make a commitment that you're going to pray mm. out loud with your wife mm. every single night, and then that is great. Ask your wife, pray for me. You know, dear dear God, what is it that you want from me? You know, I, I want to be open to that change, and the same goes for her because. One of the things that's difficult, obviously, is that us as men, if we've failed at our mission, our wives have taken over, mm-hmm. right? They have picked up the slack. Many of us have amazing wives, but what happens is they are burdened heavily, mm-hmm. and they are doing jobs that women are not supposed to be doing, and they do the best that they can, but what happens is, is when men step in to do the role that God has called them to do, it allows the woman to do the proper role that she's been called mm-hmm. to do. And harmony then exists in the family. But I would say pray together as a couple first. Because if you have each other's back, you can then bring it into your family. Right. Marriage has to be the foundation. And that's theology of the body, obviously. It's our relationship with God, you know, original solitude that we're uh, attuning our hearts to him and he's pouring his love into our hearts. We'll just turn this into a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we are imperfect. We are incomplete. You fashioned us, Lord, in poverty that you would be our provision. And right now, wherever we're at, each of us with our incompleteness, we invite you to be Lord. Have dominion in our hearts. Have dominion in our minds. Claim us, God. Conquer the unconquered territory. Make us aware of our call to overflow your grace to our wives, to our families, and to this world. We claim our families and our world for you in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all.